This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Travelers Championship. Joining me to break it all down, it's Sia Najad and Sia. We are right back at it again with another big-time event. This one, though, about 3,000 miles away from uh, the one we had last week. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's like all gas, no brakes. You think there's going to be some sort of break after a major. And not only is there not a break, but we're going across the country to Cromwell, Connecticut. So it's really interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, we'll get to stroke scale narrative at the end. But I think there's some potential narratives out there that might be just, you know, fruitless with respect to some of the big time guys that were in contention yesterday at the U S open, how live are they going to be this in this tournament, especially if they get through the, through to the weekend. Um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I don't really know that I lend any credence to that, but it's an interesting question knowing that this big designated event is right after the U S open. The, before we jump into this, the, uh, link for the fan vote for the one and done is, uh, live in the description. You can click it there, get your vote in. We'll go on Tuesday for the Mega Preview Pod, and we will count those votes up and get you a selection for this week. Um, see, I assume that conversation is going to be in regards to that 3,000-mile trip from one place to another. If that's if that's the case, I mean, listen, it was it was pretty much perfect in L.A. all all. Mm-hmm week long you know i i i i be remember being much more tired after leaving rochester because that's a harder place to get in and out of and also we had that saturday where it nonstop poured and it was a slog and you were wet and it was nasty like i i don't particularly have fatigue concerns about these guys well i'm not sure it's that and for the record i'm not sure i'm even buying into any of these narratives but i just i wonder with the guys that were in contention down the stretch whether they're superstars like scotty scheffler or guys like wyndham clark and ricky fowler for example are they going to sort of like whether they realize it or not kind of take a step back because it was such an intense you know uh, several moments over the last 18 holes for for those guys on sunday and saturday for that matter i just i wonder if that's something that people will be factoring in that we may be able to take advantage of from an ownership standpoint i mean i think ricky fowler and wyndham clark are really interesting case studies. I mean, there's other factors that go in there too, especially with Wyndham being a being the winner at the U.S. Open. But how much ownership are they going to get? I think it's a really interesting question. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the golf course before we talk about uh, the players. And Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. So what we've got here is TPC River Highlands, a golf course that we are very, very familiar with. And the, I suppose, I don't want to call it the defining feature, but the thing that jumps out at you immediately is how short it is. 6,800 yards is a par 70. So historically, we have seen golfers like Ches Reavy play really well and Brian Harmon play really well, guys that aren't necessarily known as bombers. It's a golf course that is more nuanced uh, than anything here, Sia. So I think it opens up a lot of different possible outcomes for the guys that are going to be on the first page of the leaderboard. A lot of possible different outcomes is is a perfect way to put it. And I think when you're constructing your DFS lineups, you want to consider that. I don't think you want to go super conventional with your builds this week. That's just my first glance after building a couple of lineups. I, I just think taking chances this week, especially knowing that some of the guys like, I mean, Brian Harmon is an interesting one because I think he'll be really popular. Ches Reeves in that 6K range. So I don't think he's going to be super popular, but those types of guys that are the shorter hitters, people are going to want to play perhaps. And I just think it's an interesting thing to consider when all of those types of golfers are in play, you can really do some different things with your roster construction. So we'll get into it when we, uh, when we get to the the pricing, but I, I will say this, I I'm definitely looking at some of those golfers that we mentioned in terms of the, the type of game I'm looking for. I, I you know, off the tee is great. And I, I want to look at that, but I mean, I, I definitely am leaning towards accuracy. And I think that's what the industry will be doing. So, you know, we have to consider Rick, whether to sort of pivot off the narratives, if, if that ends up being the prevailing narrative, but approach play is going to be really important to me. Um, I usually bake around the green game into weighted tee to green. So that's something I'll be looking at. Um, but outside of that, like those are the, the three main things that I'm looking at from a metric standpoint. And then of course the wedge play, which is going to come into play here on this short course. Yeah. It's a Pete Dye design and it's really held up uh, as of late to these guys who, who are not really able to just bomb it around. What I think is so cool about it is you can kind of play it however you want. If you want to go out there and hit driver every single hole, that's available to you. If you want to kind of be more precise about it and, and lay back to a different number, that is available to you. There is water in play on a handful of holes that'll, that'll gobble up your golf ball. And while the greens uh, aren't necessarily difficult to hit, if you miss them, you'll kind of be in a, in a spot of bother. So um, with all that being said, I, I think that also aligns with what the, the, the regression model here at rickrungood.com has where there's not really anything that stands out. A lot of these stats are just kind of middle of the road, well-rounded stats. Um, driving accuracy does technically correlate uh, more to success here than other courses, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way to get it done. Uh, approach play around the green putting are all and off the tee are basically all in the low 20s, which means they're right about that middle of the pack mark. So yeah, this is a very unique uh, stat profile that we don't normally see. And it's exciting because I think there's like 120 guys who are alive. Exactly. And, and I think when it comes to sort of the all around game, I think that's why I like to look at some of the T to green stuff, the, the more of the global stats weighted T to green in, in the case of what I look at at rickrungood.com. What's interesting here though, uh, when we look at the stat profile and we see putting from seven feet, rank eight, I, I just like the first thing I think of, and we're going to get to him in a second. I'm like, okay, Scotty's out. Even though he putted just fine. Listen, I, I understand the metrics looks fine, but every time he faced a putt that seemed to be within on Sunday, I'm talking about seven to 15 feet, like it had no chance whatsoever. Am I wrong there, Rick? 
It was pretty ugly. Yeah. I saw, I mean, I saw a lot of Scotty this week and um, I mean, I practice rounds, tournament rounds. It didn't matter. He, he really did not sniff making, making many putts, which I will continue to argue isn't the worst thing in the world, but it, it is, it is jarring when you see a guy hit, I don't know, 35 putts, first putts over the course of a week. And it, and just none of them ever sniffed the cup. Yeah. I mean, they weren't close, like no burned edges whatsoever on Sunday. It was just like not, not close. And to your credit, Rick, I'm pretty sure when you were out there on Wednesday or Tuesday, it was probably Tuesday, actually, you tweeted something out about, listen, he finished great. I mean, it's not like he had a bad tournament. This is always, this is the Scotty Scheffler experience, but you tweeted something out, I think, to the effect of uh, everything's looking great for Scotty Scheffler, but the putter, it's the same old story with him. Yeah, it's, it was just more of the same, right? I mean, he was with um, he was with Xander, and I think Sam Burns, and he and those are guys are flushers, and he was running circles around them from tee to green. I mean, he just every shot was better in full control of his game, and then they'd get on the putting surfaces, and you'd see you know Sam Burns eventually roll one in, you'd see Xander roll them in, and you'd see Scotty be seven feet away and not and not have it get within like 12 inches of the cup at any point. It, it's, 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 it's jarring, but it's on brand, which I think is kind of interesting, right? When we can talk about him in the, on, on the other side, but like he's been the most on brand consistent golfer, right? Like yeah. it hasn't been, uh, it's not like some weeks he's driving it. Well, some weeks he gets hot with the, but it's like, no, 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 this is the same exact thing every single week. He's, he's actually been quite easy to predict because he never does anything different. Yeah, it's true. And you wonder if, I mean, is the is the tee to green stuff going to start to fall off? Because to me, it has to, unless this guy is the second coming of Tiger Woods. I, I just I just wonder when the time period is where the putter maybe improves just a little bit, but he's just not flushing it like we've seen him flush it this entire calendar year. Like, Rick, th- there will be a time where He's not flushing it like this, right? I just, I thought like, and that's why we'll get into the discussion. I, I want to be able to predict that and be on the right end of that when I'm picking guys like John Rahm or Patrick Cantley or Xander Shoffley. I'm not sure when that time is coming though, because he keeps doing it. Uh, yeah, maybe he will just continue to flush it in perpetuity. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out for sure. Um, we've got a lot of big names and actually a pretty sizable 10K range that we are going to start with. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Five golfers over $10,000 in their names that you certainly know. Scotty Scheffler, 11-3. Rory McIlroy, 10900 John Rahm, 10-8. And we round it out with a pair of buddies. Xander Shoffley at $10,400. And Patrick Cantlay, 10200 All of those guys see it finished within the top 14 of the U.S. Open. Um, most of them have played this event a couple of times and have have decent results so we're gonna have to find a way to start deciding between uh the big five at the top so this is one of those uh, like i almost feel like we need to treat this part of the like when we're talking 10k range and above like like a ranking system because it's really hard to really make an argument against uh one of these guys i mean if i'm you know, Rory, I'm, I'm not super interested in playing. Xander Shoffley, I'm not super interested in playing. Of course, we need to see ownership and all those things. I, I think the three guys that really come to mind for me are Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, and, of course, Scotty Scheffler. Um, if I had to pick two of those, I, I think I'm just waiting to be right on the John Rahm versus the Scotty Scheffler thing. I think this might be the track where where maybe I am. I, I think Rahm is sort of in, in a pretty good place. He gained across the board at the U.S. Open. I just think it's a matter of time before he gets another splash win. And then as far as Patrick Cantlay, obviously he has pretty good experience here. I mean, for Patrick Cantlay, I don't know that it's elite experience, but just constantly top 15-ing this tournament feels like a pretty good look. Uh, The weighted tee to green looks great. The approach play has been a little spotty, particularly at the U.S. Open and the Wells Fargo, but I also think he's kind of due for a win too. So I think those are my, my two favorite, knowing that all five are great. Uh, five straight top 15s at this event for Patrick Cantlay, yet none of them are inside the top 10. So all of them between 11th and 15th place, obviously a uh, very good record, but not like super, super elite course history stuff, but very, very good. Um, I do want to point one thing out. I think I've got it handy here for um, Mr. Xander Shoffley, because I'm wondering, Sia, what everyone is going to do with this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, he had a very, I I always kind of wonder what's going to happen after a very public bad round, right? He is in the final group with Rory on Saturday. He immediately leaves it in the fairway bunker on one twice. And after shooting an opening 62 and backing it up with a great round on Friday, he fades there on Saturday. And I feel like that week will be seen very much as a disappointment. Um, and I wonder if people will go back to him after how popular he was. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think what you're probably driving at is that he won't be popular. Um, is that kind of your guess that he'll get he'll get kind of like phased out of this range a little bit from an ownership standpoint? Well, I'm hoping. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 always tough to say because he's usually pretty popular. He's the defending champion. But I think that, you know, you have Cantlay, who's $200 cheaper with the elite histories. And they basically had, you know, if you just look at the box scores, right? Cantlay and Xander had basically the same finish last week. It's mm-hmm. a 10th and a 14th. Like no one's no one's choosing sides between that. Um, so you have Cantlay, who's $200 cheaper, or you go up and you just pay up for Scotty or Rahm or Rory. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a we when, when a guy has a really prime time bad round, which he which he pretty much bounced back for, at least with the driver, which was the problem on Saturday. He drove it well on Sunday. I, I'm I'm I guess I'm just trying to wish wish it into existence that everybody forgets about Xander. Well, I think that's going to be the case. Uh, by the way, I think it's really strange that Xander is ahead of Patrick Cantlay for whatever that's worth. And I think that lends itself to the idea of 
you're right. They're either going to pay up for one of the big three, John Ron, Roy McIlroy, or Scotty Scheffler, or they're going to go down to Patrick Cantlay, who feels like just a very comfortable option in the 10K range, or they'll go down to, and we'll get there, like guys like Victor Hovland, um, you know, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, sort of in that conversation. But yeah, I think you're right. I think Xander's going to have really low ownership, actually. I, I think you're right about sort of the, the public um, falls, especially Saturday, Sunday. It didn't look, especially on TV, it didn't look like Xander was playing much better than than he did on Saturday. So, yeah, I think especially because of his price, if he was like 9,700, I think people would go right back to him. But because he's 10-4 and he's ahead of Cantlay and he's not that much less than the three guys I just mentioned, yeah, I think you're right, Rick. I, I don't think anybody's going there. So here's Rory's stat profile. And again, a very public whatever you want to call it from Rory last week. But if I erase the two in the finishing position and you did not watch the tournament and you looked at a guy that gained 13 and a half strokes, ball striking, who gained a stroke around the green, a stroke and a half with the putter, you'd be foaming at the mouth. Now enter said narratives, enter said discord of another disappointing U.S. Open, does Rory McIlroy flip the switch back on just a few days later, right? Like, like it, this is where I have a really difficult time disconnecting from or even connecting to the narrative or, or connecting to these guys being human. Yeah, it, 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 this, is, this is a tough one for me because I think Rory – if you if you just look at these stats, I mean, granted, on, you know, on approach, he was a little spotty there um, for a couple tournaments uh, before the U.S. Open and after the PGA Championship. But this is really impressive. And, and honestly, the, the funny part about Rory is that he'll have what everybody seems to think is a bad tournament and he'll finish T7. He'll have another tournament that seems to be really bad and he'll finish T7. And in the U.S. Open case, I mean, I don't think anybody thought he had a bad tournament, but I think they're going to be underwhelmed with how he finished. I think that everybody sort of expected him to close, especially when when Ricky Fowler started to fade. And he didn't. Uh, I, I think he's a really interesting option. I mean, you know, all of these that's that's why you almost have to rank these guys. All of these guys are set up to win very soon. I don't know that I'd say that about Xander, to be honest with you. And I'm not like can't lay. I'm starting to like feel it for him but like it's really those top three i think any one of those three are just due to win any given tournament and 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 i think i'm comfortable including rory in that conversation because i've seen enough from him even when he's quote unquote not playing very well you know top fiving or top tenning i think those three have tremendous win equity okay so let's let's just rank them here so let's let's take all factors into consideration price it's early, but what we think that projected ownership could look like, everything into consideration, how are you ranking these five? So I'm going to go with John Rahm, okay. Patrick Cantley. Mm-hmm. It's so close with the next two, but I'm going to go Scotty Scheffler, Roy McElroy, Xander Shoffley. Wow. Okay. That's how tight this is because I'm going to go like <laughs> almost in the polar opposite. Um, I mean, Xander... Xander being $900 cheaper than Scotty and having one bad driving round that he bounced back from and you're defending, like that's kind of bonkers to me. So I'd go Xander one. Uh, I would probably go Scotty two, Rory three, can't lay four, Rom five. And that's totally fair. I mean, here's the reality. These guys... Yeah, I mean, these guys are so good. I mean, listen, you're going to win and lose the tournament potentially on 
on being right or wrong here. But the truth is like the, the margins are so narrow among these five that you, you truly, from a DFS standpoint, you're truly winning and losing, you know, in the lower ranges, in my opinion, you know, getting off, you know, some of the seven K chalk and having the right pivot or, or having the right roster construction, maybe starting in the nine K range or whatever, avoiding some of those common spots where people are going to gravitate to. So this is one of those things where it's like, man, I, you know, I can't say with a ton of conviction, I really like Patrick Cantlay more than Xander Shoffley because I think it would be ridiculous for me to say that, to be honest with you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, the 9K range uh, also has a ton of great names and it. it. starts with Victor Hovland, that $9,900, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, Tommy Fleetwood, our newest major champion in Wyndham Clark, uh, Ricky Fowler, also in this range, and then we round it out with Max Homa. So here we go. This is uh, this is a fascinating range here see you've got guys that won last week had close calls played well on sunday like everything's here so let's let's sort it out there's two guys that i like um and we usually group them together it's victor hovland and morikawa i say group them together because they kind of splashed on the scene at the same time of course um you know hovland i think has is starting I think maybe later in this season, maybe uh, maybe a few. We still need a few tournaments. I think he's going to get another win, and I think we're going to start talking about him in the 10K range as opposed to the 9K range. Um, the approach, specifically, the approach has been kind of an issue for him just a little bit lately. Uh, but overall, the game's been great. We know he closed at the Memorial. Uh, for the record, in 2020, he was T11 here, but he actually led the field T to green. Uh, he he happened to lose 3.3 strokes putting. So that's that's why he was T11. But I, I just love how he ball strikes it. I, he'll get it out there. He'll be accurate. The approach game is going to be dialed in. And we know he can get hot with the putter. So it, it's him and Morikawa for me. As far as Morikawa, I just think we're we're maybe in a, in a bounce back phase with Morikawa. It seems like the back injury is a non-issue. Um, the finishing position starting to shine. Don't forget that WD he had at the Memorial, he was going to finish real high at that tournament uh, unless he had a disaster Sunday. So uh, really liking Hovland and Morikawa this week. Morikawa is hopeful. I, I don't, I didn't watch obviously much of the coverage. I don't know how much he was, he was being shown. Uh, he wasn't being shown a lot, Rick, for some oh, reason. Okay. So I thought it was pretty quiet. I didn't, I didn't see it, read a lot about him on Twitter or anything like that. He's he's doing it again. He's gaining the one to one and a quarter strokes on approach now going on like at least five straight tournaments, which is exactly what you want from him. This is a golf course that rewards accuracy over distance check for Colin Morikawa. And this is a place where or excuse me, this is not a place, but he has the putter is still a problem, but he's gained in three of his last four. The last two. Uh, have been basically multiple strokes with the putter. Th- this this is like the perfect spot for him, I think. And I don't I don't think people realize that he is literally back to being because there's always this. He is such a he is such a bad narrator of his own game. He is mm-hmm. so bad at it that people just take what he's saying as truth. And he's like, I stink. I can't even hit the center of the club face. I don't have anything. And he's the best ball striker in the world. Like, do not listen to a word he says. And this is the spot for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think Colin could really shine here. Uh, and again, I think him and Hovland, just from a flushing it standpoint, I think they're I think their games are really going to shine here. And for the record, because they're in the 9K range and that they should be competitive with those guys in the 10K range, I think you can, you can start your roster here, frankly. And, and for the record, I, I did something just from a lineup construction standpoint, I, I want, it, you know, you don't necessarily like the guy I'm going to feature here, so I'll change it. But 
Let me ask you this, Rick. What would you rather do here? And we'll get to Hideki in a second, who for some reason is at a weird price. But Hovland, Morikawa, and Hideki, if you start your lineup there, so you're starting in the 9K range, you're getting two great 9K guys, and you're getting the value of Hideki, who's going to be super popular, by the way, that's going to leave you with $7,300. You prefer that or, let's say, Scheffler and Morikawa, which is going to leave you around the same exact number? Nope. I'll take take the, the three. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. The the Matsuyama stuff is sick. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, yeah. Wyndham Clark, 92. Ricky Fowler, 91. For me, hat tip to both of these guys. I will catch you down the road. You will not see me buying high on either of these two. So this is an ownership thing for me. Um, I totally understand what, where you're coming from there. And this is kind of what I was trying to say inartfully at the beginning of the show when it comes to narratives and people who were contending last week and winning last week in Wyndham Clark's case. I wonder what the ownership is going to be. I think both of them are going to be a little bit lower than people expect. And maybe that means it's time to jump on them. You know, the Wyndham Clark thing, he seems like the personality type to win and then like really be geared up to go after a win the very next week. He, he almost gives off that sort of, I am the captain now vibe where it's like, oh, you thought that was good. Check this thing out. It just goes back to that club twirl on whatever it was Saturday. Like this guy's just dialed in when he's on the golf course. I, I, I would, it wouldn't shock me if he's contending here at, at the travelers. I, the skill set's awesome. We've been talking about this a lot. Yep. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, listen, he missed the cut of the PGA championship after his win at the Wells Fargo. That could be a lot of things, right? That could, that does not necessarily have to be because he won the Wells Fargo championship. Um, I, who knows, maybe he's now getting more comfortable with this, right? The guy's won twice in his last four starts. It's, it's truly, you know, if, if the PGA tour had, well, I don't know if I want to say this, um, I was going to say like an MV, like he is truly like the most valuable player, not like the best player, right? Mm -hmm. There are guys who are the best player, but the getting the most out of what his expectations were coming into the year, he is leaps and bounds above everybody on this circuit. So I, I don't know what, maybe it's the most improved player. Maybe it's just like, I don't know what it is, but if there was something like that, Wyndham Clark would be running away with it. Yeah. And he's sustaining it. Like we see this a lot with players who we, we, we notice it at the beginning of the calendar year, if not in the fall swing, I think it was in the beginning of the calendar year. We started to talk about him a lot on this show and he like, he's been sustaining it. Like you would think a guy, a name like Wyndham Clark, he'd put it together for a couple of months and then he'd just start to kind of ebb and flow and, and be a bad golfer. And then maybe pop as a good golfer. Like I, I kind of think Wyndham Clark is here to stay. And for the record that, you know, I, I don't know if you, you, you weren't listening to the, to the broadcast. So, but I, I think you might be aware of this. He has like this new, maybe new uh, sports psychologist that he's been consulting with this year, maybe, maybe in years past. And I, that's sort of where uh, what what is that, Rick? This is the book that he credits. Wyndham Clark credits a lot of his mental Get stuff. Out of here. This book, it's called The Energy Bus. So yes, I've I've uh, read this. I, I picked it up after his last win at the Wells Fargo because I was like, if this dude's just like a mental coach and a book away, imagine what like imagine what this is going to do for everybody. So uh, not a paid ad, but yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, it's it's obviously something. Obviously, something has changed for him. 
That's really cool that you have that book, by the way. This was not set up at all, obviously. If you're watching us on YouTube, I was like in shock. Within arm's reach. I was looking around. like, I know it's either over there where I'm not going to be able to get up and get it, or it's like right underneath that hat, and I was able to reach it. And it somehow matches my shirt. Listen, I I think guys that 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 or girls, whoever, who kind of can tap into that psychology or have somebody tap into that psychology for them, I, I think that's a huge edge when it comes to an individual sport like golf. And it goes back to whether you want to play him this weekend. I mean, I just don't think, or I should say this week, I just don't think he's the personality type that is going to be like, all right, you know, I'm kind of good. I feel pretty good about what I've done this season or what I did last week. I think he's just going to dial right back in. The maybe the X factor um, for me here is Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, I, I, he shoots another, what, 62 on Sunday, um, had a run at the Canadian open. He's playing great golf. Is, is this just Tommy going to be uber popular and going back to a place where he's had like mediocre success? Yeah. I, th- I don't know about uber popular, um, because I do think uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, he's, he's kind of expensive now. And I just wonder how many people are going to play Fleetwood when he's right next to Colin Morikawa, who I think is going to pick up a little bit of steam. Um, but to, to the point you're making, there's not a lot of guys below Fleetwood that people are going to want to play. So yeah, he'll probably pick up some popularity. I like him this week. I'm not a super big fan of him. I'd rather take some chances with guys like Colin and Hovland in the 9K range because I think it sounds ridiculous because of how Fleetwood has been playing, but I think their upside is a little bit better than Fleetwood in terms of closing a tournament. But yeah, I don't mind Fleetwood at all. I, I don't think I'm going to end up playing him, particularly if he's going to be popular. Fair enough. We will continue this conversation in the 8K range, find some value, and have a little bit of fun at the end of the show. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. And we're back. The $8,000 range, Sia, has a lot more questions than it does answers. It starts with a pair of uh, slumping question mark golfers, Max Oma, Justin Thomas, and throw in Sung J.M. into the mix as well. Hideki Matsuyama is 8,600 with Cam Young in the middle at 85. And then the bottom of the $8,000 range is Jason Day, Sahith Thigala. Shane Lowry, Tom Kim, C. Wu Kim. So where do you want to start? The slumpers at the top or why Hideki is 8,600? I think we should probably start Hideki because, frankly, not only is he mispriced, but when you look at the golfers above him, they're mispriced too. Like, I mean, like guys like JT, for example, I mean, not to be disrespectful, but he should probably be, what, 82, 8,300 at this point. He shouldn't be above Shane Lowry, in my opinion. Well, there, I think, I think he's just like hit 
the mark of where DraftKings is willing to to put him, right? Like because there is no re- real reason. So he was eighty seven hundred dollars at the U.S. Open. Now this is obviously not as good of a field as U.S. Open. It's a very very good field. It's an elevated event. He was miserable at the U.S. Open, second consecutive cut, and now he is more expensive. So I just think that we have kind of reached um reached the bottom and and it's going to take something really really crazy for for JT to be to be lower than this um but but you're right i mean it's just this this Hideki at 86 thing the whole eight, the whole $8000 range doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of price mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, I mean, Justin Thomas is overpriced. Hideki is certainly underpriced. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think Lowry's a little underpriced too. Um, other than that, you know, Cameron Young's interesting. Day's interesting. They're probably in about the right place. But the Hideki thing is going to make him super popular. So this is one of those things where I think we might we may end up having to say, okay, well, Hideki, if you're playing cash games, double ups, that kind of thing. Maybe head-to-head matchups. Maybe you you throw him in there, but how can he not be popular, Rick? Well, let's see. He is uh, back to. I mean, he's doing. He, it's very similar to Colin Morikawa, actually, where he's just back to being his elite ball striking self. He is phenomenal around the greens. The putter, as always, is all over the place. I mean, he is he is back to being on brand, right? And, and getting more consistent since those neck injuries. He's got a bunch of you know. The handful of top 25 finishes in his last couple of starts. The metrics are all there. I mean, I, I was just showing, uh, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I have this trends tool on rickrungood.com. It just kind of shows you golfers versus themselves. So golfers versus their own 100 round baseline. And if you look at this 8K range, um, Homa, way worse than his baseline right now. JT way worse. Sung Jay way worse. Cam Young worse. Jason Day worse. Siwoo, or excuse me, Tom Kim way worse. The guy in this 8K range who is way better than his own baseline is Hideki. And he's doing it in the way you want it, which is like via T degree. Like this is this is the advanced metric darling play of the week, right? Like this yeah. just does not make any sense for him to be at this price. This is a stat profile that is keen on snapping off to the positive. Like it, I, it, he, he will be incredibly popular. It'll be well-deserved. He's making his debut, which, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Like he doesn't have course history. He doesn't have a crappy course history to, to knock us off of this. <laughs> Yeah. Or I mean, yeah. So I guess that could go either way. I wonder when DraftKings does the pricing, if maybe they knocked him because he doesn't have course history. I I, I don't know. But I will say this. For whatever reason, I went last 20 rounds when I took my initial look as opposed to 24 or 36 or 50 or whatever the case may be. Last 20. And I didn't do this for Hideki. I just did it across the board just to kind of see where everybody was at. Last 20 rounds in this entire field, Hideki is third weighted tee to green and third weighted approach. Yeah. I mean, and we know he's going to be volatile with the putter. He's either going to gain with the putter or he's going to lose big with the putter. So, I well, mean, which is which is not a bad thing, obviously. His his three biggest tee to green gaining weeks in that stretch that you plugged in were the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, and the Masters. Like three, uh, the three majors that we have played this year. So, so he is beating the world's best by a large margin. Yeah. Yeah. And again, now that he's shaken off this neck injury, uh, presumably, I mean, that was probably what was holding him back during the tournaments. He wasn't playing super well. And I mean, now he's he's found health and he's found his game completely. I mean, I, I I'm 
I think I looked at his outright odds. I, I think they sunk. They probably started really long and they got shorter, but I think he's 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 live outright. Would you be investing, or I guess how would you rank these three that there are just a lot of questions about, right? Max Homa off of a miscut. Justin Thomas off of a very ugly miscut, now two in a row. Sung J.M. off a miscut, now three out of four, which I think is only the second time in his career he's done that. Um, will you be investing? And it kind of, if you had to pick one, where would you go? So I might invest in a small way in one of them. I'll rank them the following way. Uh, Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Sung J.M. I think there's something going on with Sung J.M. Like, like that we just don't know. Like one of those situations where maybe he's he's got an injury that he's not talking about or something because like it's not looking good. We're going to find out in six weeks that he was dealing – like the Cam Davis thing where he was yes. like, oh, yeah, I felt like crap and couldn't figure out what was wrong with me for six weeks. And it was the six weeks I missed like six straight cuts. Yeah, well, and it was uh, Harris English a year or so ago where he revealed he had an injury like after missing a ton of cuts in a row. Who's Of course, he's he's going to be popular probably at the Travelers as well. But I think it's probably Max Homa because at the very least, Max Homa has flashed some upshot, upside at the Wells Fargo top 10 at the Charles Schwab top 10. I think Max Homa, at least, you know, the putter's been looking really good for him as well, is showing signs of life way more than JT and way more than Sung JM. I put JT second because he's not that far removed from having a bunch of good ball striking tournaments in a row. I haven't been playing him. I haven't been betting on him, but he had a stretch not too long ago where he seemed to be dialed in. So I don't think I'm going to be playing him, but I wouldn't begrudge anybody who plays him, especially if the ownership is super low. Hideki, I like. Um, Siwoo. Yep, that's my other one in the 8K range. I think is interesting. And I think, and I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for this. I think I would try to be early one time on Tom Kim. Uh, Are you early is the question. I hope so. I mean, last week, it felt like Tom Kim Fever was back. I mean, was he's it? looking really good, and he's on a, a great course fit here. Was it? Was it back? I, it was, I thought I was hoping it was just going to be chalked up as like one good nine. I, I, I think the general perception is Tom Kim might be back. He might be in the form that we remember you know, not too long ago during the fall swing, and he gets to arrive to a course that's a way better course fit than anything he's seen lately. I think the fever might be back. I I hope I'm wrong because I want to play him too, Rick. Well, you described it, right? Like if you're trying to be early, now's the spot. I I was hoping it was going to be seen as this guy missed his last two cuts and had one good nine holes. So don't freak out over this. Um, When really he gained like at least a stroke on approach each and every round. And I thought it was a lot, a lot better, but I'm, I'm now, I'm now worried about Tom Kim mania. We'll see. I mean, again, I hope I'm wrong. It'll probably end up being kind of middling where it's not going to be like too out of hand um, because I do think guys like Lowry, Siwoo Kim, Sahif, uh, Henley, when we get to the 7K range, there's a lot of guys around him that are going to be popular as well. So I think that prevents him from getting like super chalky. Um, but to your point, I like Tom Kim this week as well. Yeah, let's get to those sevens. You you mentioned it. Henley at $7,800, likely to catch a ton of steam. He's been... Great recently. He's been great at this golf course. You think it would set up for him. So that's kind of a, a, a given where um, prop maybe, maybe a little bit of Brian Harmon 
right? Brian Harmon gets off to a hot start last week, which is kind of what everybody remembers is is what happens on on Thursday, even yes. though he fades on the weekend, and he's got four top eight finishes in the last five. Those are probably your most popular plays, I would imagine. I totally agree. Harmon and Henley. Of the two, I'll be more inclined to play a chalky Henley than I will a, a chalky Harmon, and that's just because I, I refuse to play a, a chalky Harmon. Um, with all of that said, I'm hoping Henley's ownership doesn't get too high. I mean, the history here is good for him as well, just like it is with Harmon. Approach T to green. They all look great. Uh, he really paid off for me last week in DFS as well. Uh, I think I'm probably going to avoid Harmon. A couple of other guys that I'm interested in. You know, I wanted to like Keegan and Corey Connors, but there was enough I didn't like that I think I'm going to end up being off of them. I, I think I'm going to say the same thing about Denny McCarthy too as we pull up uh, Connor's profile. Uh, you know, the putter hasn't been great. The ball striking has been OK for Corey Connors. Are, are you in or out on Corey Connors? Because I think I might be out. Um, I'd be more in on on uh, Connors than Keegan. And yeah. Denny, Denny's kind of weird. We'll talk about Denny in a second. But this. Uh, OK, yes. So he misses the cut at the U.S. Open by losing four strokes putting, which I don't really care about because it's Corey Connors. and That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, misses the cut to Memorial. That one was pretty ugly. Now, the rest of it, you know, the win in Texas, the T8, the Wells Fargo, played well at the PGA Championship. He was in the Canadian Open for the first, well, first two days, and he finished T20. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is like a pretty darn good spot for him, right? It is yeah. just keep it in play, uh, get your irons and wedges dialed in and hope that you can make enough putts. The Denny conversation, I think, is fascinating because long-term, I'm like big in on Denny. Love what he's been doing. Love the improvements. Um, finding other aspects of his game that are not just relying on the putter. But my concern here is that this event is pretty darn sticky in terms of course history. Like probably top 10 sticky on tour where good or bad, guys that guys tend to have the same results year over year. And um, Denny is like nowhere close. I shouldn't say that. He has been nowhere close to solving this place. His best finish in five years is a T47 and three times he's failed to make the weekend. Yeah, I don't. I think your analysis is spot on here. It would be different for me if he he wasn't good here, but he was coming in with like really elite form. But he's really not. I mean, he's he's sort of reverting a little bit back to the the Denny of old, where it's really just leaning a lot on the putter and the ball striking hasn't been there earlier this season. The ball striking was kind of there for him. It's just been very spotty, and so I think. And again, on this particular course, I'm just I'm not. I'm not going to be investing in Denny McCarthy. I think he's also, I don't think he's going to be popular this week, but I do think his name is really starting to trend. So he'll pick up at least a little bit of ownership, but I'm going to be out on him. I'll tell you a couple of guys that I'm in on. One is going to be a very obvious name and one's going to be maybe a, a little off the radar. Austin Eckroat's the obvious one. I mean, like pull up his profile. Like this is just like kind of ridiculous. He's other than some, some short game issues here and there. This guy's crushing everything. I mean, I, what else can you say about Austin Eckert other than the fact that he's young and, and, and there's probably going to be times for him to fall here and there, but everything looks great for him. Last 24 rounds, he's gaining a stroke and a quarter, basically, ball striking. That's 15th in this field. It is right between Rory McIlroy and Hideki Matsuyama. It is better than Wyndham Clark, but it is better than Russell Henley. Um, that is... You know, final round at the U.S. Open where he flies up the leaderboard was kind of just more of the same, right? The runner-up mm-hmm. finished the Byron Nelson. I mean, he has gained seven and a half strokes ball striking in two of his last four starts. I, I mean, it is 
he, he you know talk about guys who have found something uh if this continues he's going to be quite dangerous yeah, totally agree. So, I mean, I think he's going to end up being popular. So it's just something to consider. Uh, you know, low 7K chalk is usually chalk you what you want to probably pivot off of. But just wait for the ownership there. I definitely think he's a good cash game play if you want to go that route. For those of you that actually play um, cash games in DFS, uh, in PGA DFS, which I highly encourage, by the way, double up, heads up, uh, whatever the case may be. My one that's off the radar a little bit, even though he won recently, is uh, Emiliano Grillo. At 7,300. The around the green game has been kind of an issue, but he's been spiking with the putter here and there. And the ball striking appears to be back. I do think this is a good course fit for him. So I think that's somebody I'd be willing to take a chance on at 7,300. Uh, it's funny. I genuinely like do not remember him winning. Like I, <laughs> I, you, you said that and I was like, where, where did he win? Where, where like, cause that was the, that was right before. God, what? Why? I I cannot even remember him winning the Charles Schwab Challenge. Yeah, it happened. It's a thing that happened. I guess it was because the week it was it was the week between the PGA and the Memorial, and I was just like, like you said that, and I was like, what corn fairy event did he win? <laughs> That's like honestly what I was thinking. That is absolutely that is absolutely crazy. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else here in the 7K range. Eric Cole continues to play great, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's fine. I don't know how much, how often I can go back to that. Um, Harris English is in this range, uh, and I think he's going to be pretty popular. Obviously, he won here uh, just a couple of years ago, and and he's shown up uh, lately. I, I think he's another one of the chalky guys, like, like Brian Harmon, for example, Russell Henley. I think he's going to be, and I'm just kind of ballparking it, looking at this entire range. I think those three are going to be the most popular. And then I think Ekroth's going to pick up some ownership too. So I think those are the four. I could be wrong. We could be wrong about Ekroth, but I, I just don't think people who are modeling are going to be able to ignore those stats. So I think those four are going to be the most popular in the 7K range. Yeah, if you model anything regarding ball striking, uh, he's going to pop up. Here's the 6K range. Bunch of names at the top. Hubbard, Michael Kim, SH Kim go down to the bottom. Mint Price, Russell Knox, Paul Haley, the second. Um how do we want to find value here at the bottom of the board? I like a lot of the 6K range for the record. I liked a lot of the 6K range last week too, and most of them made the cut. Uh, Carson Young was the only guy of the five guys I mentioned in the 6K range. He was the only guy that missed the cut, and he missed it by leaps and bounds. I actually do like him again at 6,500. I still think this is a disrespectful price on Carson Young. Uh, he's not the only guy I like though. I mean, there's a handful um, as we pull up uh, Carson Young stats here on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, he was just really bad last week. But prior to that, the guy's been completely dialed in on approaching with the putter. I will tell you that I also, like, good or bad, do not even really care what guys do at major championships. Actually, yeah. I, guess, I guess I do good. But if you – we see so often guys like Carson Young, who are obviously great golfers, who are finding their path on the PGA Tour, get smoked at majors, and I just could not even – care any less it's just mm -hmm. there are so many ways to lose a ton of strokes at major championships especially places we've never seen before like lacc like i do like i don't care that justin thomas shot in 82 last week i care more that he hasn't been that good for six months than i do about him you know shooting eight like i don't care about guys who struggle at majors what's interesting about that point is if you take carson young out of the U.S. Open. Let's assume he doesn't qualify three weeks ago or whenever it was, two weeks ago. What's his price? Without that bad uh, two rounds, his price is probably 7000 flat. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he's been good enough to be 7,300 as far as I can tell, but he, he hasn't done it for super long. But again, look at these metrics here on YouTube on rickrungood.com. They're really impressive for a couple of stats that we really like. And by the way, off the tee, he hasn't been really that bad either. So I think Carson Young at 6,500 makes a lot of sense. Then we see our guy Dylan Wu at 6,600, perpetually at the 6,600, 6,400 range. Played him a lot last week, and that really paid off. Uh, Mark Hubbard at the top of this range at 6,900, probably going to be pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, Approach play has been incredible. Short game has been very good for Mark Hubbard, too. Uh, JJ Spawn, I think, is interesting as maybe a pivot off of some of these 6K guys or maybe like a Mark Hubbard, for example, if he becomes popular. Gained on approach in seven in a row. Uh, Putter, not terrible either. And then there's there's other names too, Rick. And this is why I think you can get creative if you're if you're doing a lot of lineups. I, I think you can dip down in the six K range, maybe even more than once in a lineup. I think Chez Revy is live. We we know he's been good here. Guys in the super low six K range, like James Hahn, he he's been making cuts. Ryan Moore, I mean, he's made a cut or two, and this appears to be a decent course but he's 6200 chad ramey maybe more of a showdown play but he's 6200 he's flashed austin smotherman again maybe a showdown play at 6500 i guess the large point i'm making is i think there's a i understand it's a designated event a lot of these guys aren't going to make the cut but i think there's at least five or six guys here that i would be willing to speculate on and i think hubbard spawn dylan Wu, carson young those are probably my favorite among them i like Hubbard, certainly. I like Dylan Wu. I think Chez is interesting. The one that you didn't mention that I have like one one little eye on would be Nick Hardy, who I don't know, man. He hasn't been great, but he played well at the US Open last week and he had a good finish here. I think it was last year, right? Yeah, he finished eighth year last year. We're starting to see him just be like that one. Like, like gain three strokes ball striking over the course of a tournament, like that guy and be okay everywhere else. He won the Zurich, which was honestly quite fluky with him and Davis Riley. But yeah, um, I, I kind of like what we're seeing here. I was able to watch him play a little bit uh, last week and, and and thought he was hitting it well. And he's got the good, the good vibes around this place. So that would be the only other one that I mentioned, but you're right. I think there are a lot of viable ways to build, uh, to build creatively because you can get access to a lot of guys down here. Yeah, I'll mention Streelman as well. There's a lot of guys down here, frankly. Hmm. All right. Well, listen, let's um, see if we can find some more narratives in the streets and see if we can put together some lineups in that way. This is the Strokes Game narrative portion of the show. Troy, what do we got here, bud? Okay, let's see. We've got Oracle at Tita Green says, in honor of the greatest time traveler movie series ever made, he is offering up this lineup. Matt. Back to the Coocher. Boom. Nice. Adam, great Scott Marty. <laughs> pretty, pretty decent. Seamus, 1.2 gigawatts of power needed for time travel. Okay. Ben Martin McFly. That's pretty, that's pretty creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc, Doc Emmett Brown, excuse me, Doc Emmett Brown Redman and Jason you made a time machine out of a day, Lorian. Pretty creative. Oracle, good job. What movie was he referencing? You're nah, joking, right? I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Kyle says for the Travelers Championship, some countries you might travel to. Okay, that's an interesting take on this. Let's see what we've got here. Mexico, Homa. Perfect. Cameroon, Young. <laughs> 
<laughs> Eric Columbia. That one's easy. <laughs> Emiliano Hungrillo. <laughs> uh, Japan, <laughs> Japan Drew Landry. <laughs> and Denmark Hubbard. Very straightforward. Very good. Uh, the Model Maniac has gone with, as you can imagine. Uh, see, these are all like traveling, but it taken in different ways. Yes. So Model Maniac says, uh, a fleet of Tommies. Harry Hall's Nimbus 2000. That's from uh, Harry Potter. Brandon Wufo. Could you imagine traveling in a UFO? That'd be pretty good. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron Ride Share. <laughs> That's excellent. This one, I like this. This is my favorite. Jimmy Walker. <laughs> hey, he's live for this tournament, too. Just already done. And then Tom, of course, the tank engine, Kim. Six different ways to travel. Well done. What else we got, Troy? And if you're watching us on YouTube, he had some he had some Photoshop. By the way, Rick, real quick, we had so many submissions this week, maybe our most ever for whatever reason. Uh, so some of you didn't uh, sort of make the cut. These are the these are the the last two that we're going to go over now. But uh, keep sending them in. We'll we'll get them up there next week. If you want to see the rest of them, um, you can click on that hashtag strokesgate at its hashtag SG narrative. And you can and you can read through them. So Ryan uh, at Fantasy Bunker has. This he says, British statesman Oliver Cromwell founded Cromwell, Connecticut. That's true. Don't let people tell you this is in Hartford, this is in Cromwell. So, here are a few oh, good fictional Brits with greater fame than Oliver Cromwell. Well, let's start with the very famous Seamus Austin Powers, JB Sherlock Holmes. Wow. That would be pretty good. You know, that's actually interesting because there was kind of a mystery about JB playing in that uh, – he played in that Money Calcutta under John Bradley or whatever as a seventh handicap a couple weeks ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. A little mystery that Sherlock Holmes could have been trying to solve. Willie Wonka Gordon. Tarzander Shoffley. C.T. Peter Pan and James Bond. Pond. James Bond. <laughs> Good job, Ryan. Oh. Oh, he's done it again. Oh, he's done it again. John Markowski says, Travelers, I see a lot of them in every NBA game. And he has hit us with some other basketball violations for example see ya eric cole tending boom kramer shotcock violation ricky flagrant fowler that's good yeah <laughs> matt coo charging ryan palming classic they never call that anymore. And they don't. Zach, a Zach Court violation, Blair. It's very good. Very good. They really don't call palming anymore. If you if you zero in, if you like start to watch an NBA game, 
and you you like zero in on like how everybody just brings up the ball and, and palms it, you can't get your mind off of it. Like you have to almost turn it off because it's like, wait, this is ridiculous. Like the hand is under the ball and now it's over the ball. Like what are we even doing here? It has to be, I would, I'm, it, it's, there has to be, maybe I can go to like basketball reference and find out the last time, like like how often palming has been called in oh. like past season. It's like, got to be so blatant for the Yeah, like yeah. it has to be, it has to be almost an accident. And then like so obvious that the ref accidentally blows his whistle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Very good, Jets. All right, we are uh, back at it again tomorrow. That's Tuesday for the Mega Preview Pod. The fan selection for the one and done, that's in the description below. You can get your vote in and we will reveal said selection on Tuesday. Um, see you. Much appreciated, my friend. We'll do it all again next week. I can't wait. I can't wait for the rest of the week to listen to the rest of the shows. Let's go. All right. At Sienna Jad on Twitter, you can find me at Rick Run Good and it's producer Troy who does all the hard work behind the scenes. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.